And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good day, Dan. And Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Uh, Good afternoon, Dan. Well, gentlemen, it's good to have you in the studio again today on a Saturday. You know, last week at the same time, we discussed Advent, and we were looking forward to the very first day of Advent, the first week of Advent. Um, Now we're at the end of this first week of Advent, and so we want to continue the discussion. And today, the question on our agenda is, what was the world like prior to the first Advent of the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'm sure there's many aspects to that. So, uh, gentlemen, there's the question on the table before us. What was the world like just prior to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? You know, in um, New Testament studies, at least when I was in seminary, we learned a couple of fancy German words to talk about maybe the uh, social setting as well as the text. One of them is Sitzenleben, uh, which means the life situation. And it has to do with what was the environment like when the word or the prophet spoke. And then the Sitzenglauben, what is the faith situation? What, in fact, was actually believed by the people and by the prophet? And to interpret a text, you need both. So we do need a context as well as a text. And I think this is a most uh, appropriate subject for us to to explore a bit, and particularly this time at Christmas, because mm-hmm. we believe God did something in a special way, providentially, and uh, sending his son uh, to seek and to save the lost. So the context, as well as the text, is important. Mm. When we look at the uh, Old Testament, we see it coming to a point, we see the, the kingdom of Israel, we see the kingdom of Israel divided. We see the northern kingdom being taken away by the Assyrians. Then we see the southern kingdom being taken away by the Babylonians. And the Bible goes a little beyond that, and it talks, especially if we look at the book of Daniel, and we see uh, Israel being dispersed and scattered, the diaspora, as they call it. And you have them talking about the the kingdom of the not only the Babylonians, but the fall of Babylonia and the Persians coming in. And, of course, in Daniel, we also have that great prophecy that which predicts the immediate future, not only of the Persians taking over, but then the Greeks and then the Romans. And, and we do see quite a bit... Of things going on, so there's a real change there, mm. and uh, you know, the book of coming. Daniel is an important book, isn't it? When mm-hmm. you consider the context yes. of the coming of the Lord and yep. Daniel's uh, prophecies, it really right. uh, is an important work. Mm-hmm. But when I um, open up the New Testament, the very first thing I see in the very first uh, gospel, at least from the literary standpoint, Matthew it wasn't the first. I think most scholars consider Mark to have written yes. before Matthew. Right. But it says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, there's a context. Mm. Yeah. The son of Abraham, the son of David. And all of these other aspects that Daniel spoke about, about these nations and what was going on in them. So, yes, I think Christmas and the coming of Christ 
needs to be set in a context that maybe it'll make our understanding mm. a richer and f- uh, understanding because it is fuller. Yeah. Right. What about the uh, promise of Messiah? Wasn't that as early as way back in the book of Genesis? Isn't that the the truth of it? Most people don't start there. (laughs) (laughs) They start maybe with Isaiah, which are the most beautiful passages of prophecy you will ever read. But yes, Genesis 3.15. Yeah. Here's another fancy word, Dan, proto-evangelium. That's what it's called. The first mentioning of the gospel or the first mentioning of Christ. Yeah. And uh, there you have... Uh, the first promise of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a blessed promise. And the thing is, when you look at that that context uh, back there in Genesis, of course, it's very clear the context of of the need of the the Savior, the need of a Messiah to Mm -hmm. come, is because of sin, Mm -hmm. the falling of sin. But I think what happens in in the history of Israel, and especially in this intertestamental period, that gets distorted. It's hmm. no longer the thought of the need of the Messiah to save us from our sin, mm-hmm. but the need of a Messiah to save us from the Babylonians, the Persians, oh, yeah. the Greeks, or the Romans. The political powers. Yes. That's right. And we we tend... To think politically, I don't know. This is very much different than what we're living in today. Absolutely, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we politicize everything. But the need, uh, the context of sin, means that the need in the time of the New Testament, when Jesus came to be a savior, savior mm. from what? From our sins, from mm. the wrath and judgment of God, our Father, and He takes our side in this That's cause. Right. Oh, and Amen. That is the uh, same context. There's really, you've heard it said before, there's really no good news until we understand what the bad news is. And here we are, uh, apart from God. Uh, Dirty, vile, sinners. (laughs) It's not a very pretty picture of the human race, is it? Doesn't Paul say something to the effect that he did not know what his sins were until the law came Mm -hmm. and, uh, like a light, exposed him for what he was? That's right. Now, uh, Mark, you mentioned uh, this intertestamental period, and I'm just wondering uh, about how long is that? Uh, we finished the last book of the Bible is, what, Malachi, uh, until uh, the coming of Christ. John the Baptist is um, before Christ, and about how much time would that be? Well, actually, the intertestamental period is always considered a period of about 400 years. Mm-hmm. You could vary that a little if you think about Daniel and the fact that he lived through the Persian Empire. You might cut it back by by a hundred years or so, mm. but it normally considered a period of about four hundred years. Mm-hmm. The last historic event that we have there is the Persians taking over. Mm. Of course, the prophecy is that the Greeks will come and take over, and of course they did under Alexander the Great. Mm. And we know mm-hmm. how Alexander the Great took and conquered the world, and then he died very suddenly. He left it to four of his generals, the two significant ones. The two groups are the Ptolemies in Egypt and the Seleucids in north in that area of Syria. Hmm. Now, initially, what happened is that the Ptolemies, well, understand what's in between those two, Israel. (laughs) Israel's between (laughs) those two. The Ptolemies ran it for the first part, but then the Seleucids took over until they finally had this Seleucid ruler by the name of Antiochus. 
Antiochus the mm-hmm. fourth, and he called himself Epiphanes, oh, which yes. was what that means, enlightened one. It was a term used of a divine power. Of, he, he was an appearance of a king. His appearance, his life. And his yes. appearance on the scene of history was the appearance of almost a god figure. That's right. And, and that's what he mm. wanted everyone to believe. Of course, the Jews would call him Antiochus Epimenes. Epimenes means raving mad. <laughs> and he was. <laughs> and he was. <laughs> now, that's a good point to take a quick break, uh, this thing of being raving mad. We're up against a break right now, gentlemen. So just hold that thought. We'll be right back. You're listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Stay with us now. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. Mary, did you know your baby boy will one day walk on water? Did you know your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know Come to make you new This child that you delivered Will soon deliver you We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know your baby boy will calm a storm? His hand. Did you know your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you? And welcome back. You're tuned to a plain answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Now, gentlemen, uh, you were talking about raving mad. Let's continue. Well, the characterization of this <laughs> this king or this Syrian leader was in fact historically accurate. He uh, had what uh, delusions of grandeur to say the least. Mm. He made himself God. And uh, it's important to understand this history because many of the prophecies that you find in the book of Daniel refer to this period and later on. And it's it's an important aspect of the mm-hmm. biblical account and also the whole Maccabean period whereby God raised up the Maccabean family to throw off the bondage that the Jews were under about 200 BC 
176, actually. But. So, so, Mark, you were covering earlier um, the progression. Uh, you've got right. the Persian Empire. Uh, you mentioned Alexander the Great defeating Darius of Persia. Then keep going from there. You got into this right. uh, Antiochus. Yeah. How do you say his name? Antiochus is, is uh, the way I had always been taught to pronounce it, but... Uh, Antiochus uh, went down and fought against the the Ptolemies and uh, got beat to Egypt. And when he came back, he was upset. Hmm. And so he comes in and he marches into Jerusalem. And he basically takes it and turns the temple into a temple of Zeus. And um, he requires, uh, I'm I'm not, I don't know, John, you may remember better all the rules he made. He required everyone, uh, the, the unclean animal, of course, is a pig. He passed laws that were obviously uh, targeted, um, made the Jews a target. Yeah, he, right. It's almost the reverse of everything. Their you laws could, concerning clean and unclean and so forth were reversed. Okay, yeah. Everything was reversed. reversed. You can't, couldn't have the law, the book of the law. You know, you couldn't mm-hmm. have the scriptures. Extraordinary hostility toward biblical right. religion. And so he had one of his representatives go out to this little uh, village outside of Jerusalem called Medellin. And when he was in Medellin, he said, okay, he got the high priest, Mattathias. And in Mattathias, he says, you're going to sacrifice a pig on the altar. Oh, dear. Yes. And, and Mattathias says, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. And some other individual stood up and said, well, if he won't do it, I will. Oh, and at that yeah. point, Mattathias takes out his sword and kills him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that started the Maccabean revolt. And, oh. uh Okay. And there was mostly uh, through as uh, five sons, I think that yeah, two of them significant, a father and one son, one yeah. two sons, three of mm-hmm. them yeah. significant. Yeah, mm-hmm. Judas, Simon, Jonathan mm-hmm. uh, were the the three uh, most prominent ones, and and uh, they won. They were winning. They finally took Jerusalem. They essentially it took a long time, but they essentially threw off that rulership. Now, what uh, approximate time was this in history? This is about uh, 150 B.C. Okay. 150, a little more. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is interesting, too, as, as an excursus here, or an aside, Yeah, uh, this is the time and place when Hanukkah exactly. originated. Oh. And this is the yeah. miracle where yeah. the oil burned in the lanterns on the menorah uh, for eight days, yeah. uh, or in the lantern and the menorah representing uh, that and become a symbol of Judaism, but God provided for his people in a special hmm. way, and this gives rise to Hanukkah. It's not, and I, uh, for the sake of the listeners out there, Hanukkah was not uh, invented as a rival to Christmas. It was actually a ceremony and rite that developed much before Christmas. Now, it is true that it's gained prominence in the U.S. because of Christmas, but understand uh, this was a very important time in history in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. Very helpful. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at that, then then what happened is we have what is called the Hasmonean dynasty has arisen, these sons of Mattathias. And uh, so they tend to be the ruler priests as they go along. Now, one of Mattathias... They became the uh, Sadducees. Well, eventually. 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 Oh. And, and what happens is you have the next one, Simon's son, Hyrcanus I, takes over, and he rules and, and does well. After Hyrcanus I, his son, Alexander Janaeus, takes over. Now, here's where the rub starts coming in. Alexander Janaeus really likes the Greek world. Hmm. 
And he starts making lots of compromises with the Greek world to the point where we have not only, as uh, Pastor Vance mentioned here, the, the Sadducees, which is, they're the ruling class, they're the priests and everything, but you have an opposition coming up. You see this slide into the spirit of the age, hmm. and you see the opposition. The Pharisees start growing up and started opposing him mm-hmm. to the point where they had a riot, and uh, 6,000 Pharisees were were killed in the suppression of this riot caused a big uh, a big uh, war that cost 50,000 lives eventually but you see the struggle that's that's growing up and that's going to even be prominent um even though they're united somewhat at the time of Jesus you see Paul using the Pharisees against the Sadducees uh, uh, later on, mm-hmm. where well, they certainly were uh, uh, antagonists in the New Testament, if you could see yes, between the Sadducees yes, they're still and that. the Pharisees, and that is an important dynamic uh, because the Lord Himself has to address yes. both groups, and He does so so carefully and subtly. Yeah. Uh, to know a little bit about them is to help one understand the yeah, text of the right. New Testament. Well, I guess that's so. right. Yeah. So we've been uh, spending a little time here today in this intertestamental period. As we're looking at the question, what were the times like prior to the first advent of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And you're listening to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. We'll keep going now. What amazes me is I looked up at each of you fellas, and I realized these guys have all this stuff memorized. And uh, I'm so weak on the history. Uh, back when you were talking there, Mark, of all these names and fellas, I, I think, how can you get all that information in your head like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's also true, not just the Jewish history, but the Greek and the Roman history is yeah. important. Yeah. Uh, remember that um, the Greeks had prepared, in some ways, the world for a language. Greek was a fairly universal language, the oh, lingua yes. franca. Yes. Uh, you might say the English of their day, where mm-hmm. most people mm-hmm. who were educated spoke the language. And that made communication uh, more simple. Even the Hellenization of the Jewish yeah. population was a mm-hmm. sign of uh, that Greek culture and language played a very important role exactly right. in mm. terms of when the Messiah was to come. I was reading something. I don't have it memorized like you guys do, but... Uh, Alexander the Great, you mentioned earlier, um, I guess was a, quite a student of Aristotle, mm-hmm. educated in Greek philosophy and politics. I don't know how good a student he was, but Aristotle was his teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a poor student, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, I guess he required that Greek culture uh, be promoted. Yes. And uh, so it's this time that the Hebrew Old Testament starts getting translated into Greek, and that's known as the Septuagint. Septuagint, which yeah. means 70. Huh. Yeah. Uh, there were, according to tradition, 70 translations because so many Greeks had, I mean, Jews had moved into the Greek-speaking world yeah. and lost the ability to read and speak Hebrew. Mm. They only spoke Greek. Yeah. So, therefore, these translations were sanctioned. And actually, uh, uh, sometimes the Septuagint tradition is referred to in the New Testament rather than the Hebrew text. There are mm. places where it is. Oh, yeah, very mm-hmm. often. And, yeah. and and one of the things, if somebody says, well, you know, for example, in Islam, they 
they really don't sanction the use of translations, do they? No, not at all. And and but well, most ninety um, percent of right. the scholars would not. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but here we have that because Jesus quoted from the Septuagint. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. You know what? That what's curious about that theologically, it to me anyway, as an aside, is um, <laughs> that the Lord came to all peoples. That's right. And the scriptures are to be yeah. translated into all languages yeah, and exactly, tongues. To yeah. re, it's it's kind of a love letter. It, yeah. Translating yeah. is a love, an activity exactly. of, of love. It's it an is. action. Yeah. Of reaching out. And you see the Lord's true, you know, t- today the, it's all the hype about diversity, but there's true diversity. Tr- biblical diversity. Right. You know? True when, diversity. When Based on all truth. people, all men, uh, tribes right. and cultures, mm-hmm. Are brought into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's true. Amen. That's right. Yeah. You know, another aspect of the intertestamental period is the rise of Rome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it was um, a while in coming, but of course they superseded the Greeks and took up into themselves Greek culture. Mm-hmm. But uh, we should not minimize that Roman power and ingenuity did prepare the world for Jesus. There was a time right. of peace. Right. Yeah. It's called the Pax Romana. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. right. And in preparing uh, yeah. the world for that, there was a time when you might say providentially Christianity could get its greatest hearing and get off the ground, so to speak. Mm. That's right. Yeah, that came, uh, most of them uh, put that in 63 BC with Pompey coming to take over uh, Jerusalem, uh-huh. there wasn't a great, because Israel, remember we talked about the two factions and everything, because of the divisions there, and uh, the divisions between Alexander Janaeus' two sons, Antigonus, and Hyrcanus II, hmm. Pompey had an easy, he hmm. had it easy. He came hmm. in and he took over, there was not much resistance at all. Mm-hmm. And so Rome took over, but this brings us into another thing maybe we'll deal with the next time we're talking about the man who got involved with Pompey whose son eventually was king in Israel at the Mm -hmm. time of Jesus and that's Antipater and his son Herod the Great ah there's Herod the infamous Herod yeah Yeah. so So. it's this Pompey of Rome that uh, then puts uh, Judea under control of the Caesars, is that how it goes? Yes, and okay. he's under control of the Caesars, and, and uh, of course, uh, their Rome's fought amongst themselves enough, Pompey eventually was defeated too, but uh, from that point on, you have Jerusalem, you have uh, Judea and Israel all under Rome. Mm. So it's an amazing unfolding of events. This is being staged by God himself, mm-hmm. coming Messiah, so that People will hear and believe. You know, there's on a, Jesus. there's an inter and outer working. There's an mm-hmm. inter revelation through the prophets and apostles. Mm-hmm. God speaking to the people, but God is also shaping the larger context providentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that is an important Christian teaching. Christian faith is interested in history. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And one of the things you see, even in all of this is uh, somewhat of the corruption of the the Jewish theology, if you will. Through the Sadducees, you see kind of the liberalism okay. being brought in. And we see that today, don't we? The Sadducees mm-hmm. denied the resurrection. Denied the resurrection of uh, spirits. And, yeah, and, uh, what hope do you have without that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, they died out, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, theological 
uh, truth is important, and when you depart from the plain teaching of the scriptures and God's right. revelation, That's right. it does spell death. Now, we could draw some modern parallels today within Christianity of those churches exactly. and denominations that are losing members mm-hmm. at an alarming rate. There's one reason, it seems to me, and it's not a small reason, is that theological liberalism uh, which ignores the plain teaching of the scripture mm, exactly. is deadly when it comes yeah. to the growth of Christianity. There is no growth. No. Right. Well, I'm just looking at the uh, time here. I realize we're already out of time for this edition of A Plain Answer. How about some wrap-up thoughts, gentlemen, as we come to the close of today's session? Again, we see God's hand of providence in all of this. He's preparing the world. He's preparing uh, the world for, for the Messiah to come. And you see the necessity of it at, at the same mm. time. You see the problems, how there's a falling away from them. You also see the legalism of the Pharisees. And it's not much different mm. than today. And it reminds us that we need to be ready for Christ's second coming. Oh, good point. That's right. I was wondering when one of you fellows would get around to that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anything else? Well, implicit in the first coming is the second coming, and yeah. there, and uh, and in the second coming, obviously, mm-hmm. it had to include the first. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Pastor Mark Diedrich and Pastor John Vance. Great to have you along with us today here on A Plain Answer. This program looks forward to your questions. If you have any questions for us, for our cast of characters, which varies a little bit from week to week, Please email your questions to us using the address on our website. Also a reminder that all of these eight plain answer broadcasts are posted on our website. Be sure to check it out. They're also linked to iTunes. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Thanks so much for joining us again for another edition of A Plain Answer. Mary, did you know your baby boy is Lord of all creation. Did you know your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know your baby boy is heaven's perfect land? Sleeping child. Great. Ah.